I ate a baby today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hotline Monday for the 26th of September 2016. I'm Scott Johnson with Justin Robert Young. Hello, friends. How are you? Good, man. I have a middle name, too, but I don't use it very much. Very what often. is it? It's Blaine. So I named it after my dad. Scott Blaine Johnson. Blaine. Yeah, B-L-A-I-N-E. Blaine. I mean, it's not a it name you see. You, like you should be richer. Like you should have real wealth in your life. Oh, no. Hey, Scott Blaine Johnson. Yeah. That's a rich kid's name. It is, but it never was that. So uh, that's why you can't use Blaine. I agree with you. No, no, no. Like to hear it, you'd think it. But I, it doesn't accurately represent my upbringing nor my current state. So uh, it's okay, though. It's I mean, you know, it's it's a good name. I liked my dad and I liked his name and. Happy well, it's to a good thing you like <laughs> happy to carry it on, but you don't know. I mean, how many Blaines do you know actively now? None, really, right? David, David Blaine. There you go. But that's the last name. How many Blaine yeah. first name Blaines? Gabbert, <laughs> Blaine Gabbert, the starting quarterback for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Okay, I bet if I type famous Blaines, it sounds like a restaurant. But let's that, see, that does sound like a restaurant. Famous yeah. Blaines, famous Blaines. Okay. Uh, the first result I get is people named Blame. Blaine. Uh, okay. Look, Blaine Gabbert. Nailed it. <laughs> you did. Blaine Gibson, film producer. Blaine Gabbert, 26, football player. Blaine Larson, country singer. Gets gets thin real quick, man. Gets real, real quick. Real Two of these people don't even have photos. This is yeah. bad. This is bad. Anyway, so my dad, you know, cursed with a common or with a very uncommon name and then cursed me with the most common name. So thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. That's uh, interesting. Is that is that like a is that a family tradition? The 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 the, the giving the, the middle name to, to the boy. The first uh, one? Not always, because uh, my dad's not in my dad's case. Like his, I don't even know what his middle name. Oh, his middle name was Hanks, and he's so okay. So, so there's a really interesting like line there that's kind of boring, but so I won't tell the whole thing. But he's related to both Eli Whitney, the creator of the Cotton Gin, a man yeah. arguably helped push slavery into its worst years because of heightened production, therefore the need for more slaves. Okay. And he is equally as related, whatever that percentage is, to Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator himself. Wow. Yeah, so he has got like this crazy bipolar sort of lineage that's pretty neato if you think about it. Brother against brother. (laughs) Family (laughs) torn apart. The Civil War. You will not be free. (laughs) I've got, I've got cotton to gin. No, you will be freed. <laughs> it's that sort of thing. Um, and we could have played this. Lincoln went home that day, <laughs> tired and sore from the day's presidentiary. I don't know what that means. Anyway, dearest Elizabeth, <laughs> right to you from the furthest point. <laughs> I got some water, and then later drank it. Signed. Admiral P-Pants. And then I go, That'd be the last time Admiral P-Pants made his way west. It would be a year later that so-and-so would take a shit. All right, anyway, there's our history lesson for the day. We literally could just do an entire... I mean, like, you need to understand, listeners, to this show, that 
It is taking every element of self-restraint for Scott and I to not just make this the entire show. Because I know I sure can, and I know Scott well enough to know that we could definitely just do an entire hour of uh, a Civil War documentary, yeah. Ken Burns parody. Yeah, we could go all Ken Burns on this. This is It's come up a couple of times on TMS. I have to restrain myself there. I have to restrain myself in polite company. It is difficult yeah. for me not to want to narr- my, narrate my entire life as if... It was a fine when I was when I was initially kind of courting. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, that was one of like a cute little early couple thing that I did was when I was out on the road with the lecture tours for Andrew, I would I would write her. I would I would uh, write her physically uh, or emails and emails. Uh, Civil War in the style uh, of that. Oh, my gosh. Civil War. It was like, you know, but I would call her dearest Elizabeth because for whatever reason, everybody's <laughs> always dearest Elizabeth in the in, in my Ked Burns parody. Oh, always. It's always mother, Martha or Elizabeth. It's always one of those three. Yeah. So so that's awesome. Did you keep those? I, was, I assume you kept those. I mean, they're in email, so you can probably search for them. OK, I could probably find them on Google right now. Yes, you should hack my uh, hack my my Gmail much like. The characters in Mr. Robot. We found it. We found the transition. Woo! So here's what we're going to do. Do you want to start with Magnificent Seven and then go into Mr. Robot? Or do you want to do Mr. Robot and then Magnificent Seven? Let's do Magnificent Seven because this is really just a review, kind of. and It's not really a spoilery thing, but the the Mr. Robot stuff's going to be... We're going to talk about everything we've seen. No spoilers that that, that, that are in... Here's here's the biggest spoiler of Magnificent Seven. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio's voice is like really just insane. <laughs> like so you good. Need to be prepared for how insane his voice is. It is so good. He blew my mind and became our favorite character and made my daughter cry, even though she knew how predictable this whole thing was going to be. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's just talk about that for a quick second. Um, I uh, this is I need to park my bias at the door. People already know this about me. If I like a or if I get to see a Western, I already kind of like it before I even see it. Um, I have a, a real suction toward them. I love them. Um, pretty much all of them, even the bad ones I like some, and the, the great or the good ones I like and think they're great, and the best ones I think are amazing. So, so I'm not really your most unbiased participant in discussing any sort of Western. All of that being said, I am pretty confident in saying if you are a person out there listening who liked Tombstone, who liked the most recent remake of True Grit, who liked Silverado, uh, others like Open Range. I can't think of any others. No Young Guns, that's the worst of the bunch. But if you count those, then this is a movie you're really going to like. It's predictable. It's got two-dimensional Darth Vader bad guy. It's got great upstanding good guys who have to uh, do hard things and sacrifice themselves for a greater good. And that is all I freaking want. And I went over this like in depth on TMS today, so I don't want to be too redundant for people. But uh, it's exactly what I wanted out of a remake of this story, and I loved every second of it. And here's just to give people perspective. Like, you named a bunch of great Westerns, mm-hmm. and I agree with you that I enjoyed this movie, but it's safe to say that it is nowhere near as good as any of the Westerns that you just named. I right? would say that it's on, I would put it on par with Tombstone. Oh, it's, you're crazy. And I love Tombstone. You, Don't, are, you are a lunatic. I think if you haven't seen Tombstone in a while, you need to get your head around it and realize that Tombstone is an arcade game of Westerns. And it's okay. It's okay that it's that. Like, this isn't a pejorative at all. I'm just saying... Oh, I mean, but here's here's where I I will disagree with you. And again, I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. But I think that this is a movie for people that if I just gave you, 
the this on a menu, would you like to see a Western that does Western things? All the Western things are done in this movie. Guns, horses, no. g- save uh, the town. Someone's going to yeah. get thrown through a, a window. Yep. Right? Yep. Like someone's going to get trampled to death by a horse. Yep. There's going to be a lot of gunplay. There's going to be a lot of tense moments. There's going to be a lot of characters that have their own frontier justice. There's going to be the people that have a certain set of morals that will now compromise them because there aren't as many people watching and we don't have to deal with the reputations of a settled society. Like, all that. You're going to get all of it. Yeah. All of it is going to be done. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to be unique and uh, uh, it's going to be done by charismatic current actors doing good job. It's a good job at a very paint-by-the-numbers. It's the never done. Yeah. It's a it's a very tropey paint by the numbers formulaic thing that already exists and has existed for a long time and they do a they do a fine job with it. It is it is it is like you know what know what this is? Mm. Like in 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 baseball they have the whole like value over replacement. Mm-hmm. Like so that's how you judge whether or not somebody's really good. It's not necessarily that they have good numbers. Yeah. It is how good their numbers are compared to the most baseline person that you could put in there. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's what to me, Magnificent Seven is, is just like good, competent baseline. The difference is that we just don't get a lot of Westerns. Yeah. I'm happy to, I'm happy to get whatever I can. If it's, if it's Bone Tomahawk, fine. I'll deal with it. If it's Hateful Eight, which isn't really a Western, but sort of is, fine. Okay. And this, I'll take this. I'll take this popcorn Western. No problem. Like, bring it all in. What I will say is, I, I do wish it had a little bit more consequence to it. Mm because it is a movie about sacrifice and you know we we had this mention last week and I'm going to go ahead and uh didn't you like that all the oh this is a spoiler I, i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to like i'm going to recant i kind of wish this movie would have been r oh interesting cuz i had a thought about that all right so uh, cuz could... i mean like yeah. listen here's yeah. a little spoiler somebody right. in the first 15 minutes gets their ear shot off yeah gnarly too and and it looks like somebody dropped puzzle pieces on the floor. <laughs> oh, like, I don't know. They looked fine. Ragged no chunk blood. of flesh. It was fine. But there's no blood. I mean, like, but here's, but like, and that's what, that is something that you need to do to keep the rating. Yeah, right? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Someone gets their ear shot off and there's no blood. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or like 40 people get murdered. And, and maybe there's like the same amount of red that you would see if they put a, a, uh, a, 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 carnation (laughs) from 50 paces like so like that that's one of the things where it's like i just think that because by the end spoiler alert you know i mean this is based on two other movies right Mm -hmm. but part of this is what happens when people who have varying different elements of meaning in their life now have to make an ultimate sacrifice what what brings them to that point what happens when all the white guys have to die is what you're saying? Yeah. And <laughs> I think that there could have been a little bit more to it because especially with Chris Pratt's character, yeah, who seems a little damaged, right? Yeah. Like between the fact that nothing that is done necessarily has much consequence to it and he is so flippant because he's so funny, yeah. uh and charismatic as an actor, at the end of it it just kind of felt perfunctory that he has to make the sacrifices that he does a bit yeah i'll give you that they they didn't quite feel like oh my god now 
this is something like compared to when Star Lord jumps out of his ship and and sacrifices his own sacrifices his mask so Gamora can live in deep space yeah. right for the few more minutes because she's about to die. Yeah. That felt to me like, oh my God, this character is making a sacrifice because his humanity has been a heartbeat throughout the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, you know, this character in in Magnificent Seven obviously has to make certain kinds of sacrifices. And again, this is not a knock on the movie because the movie is the movie. Again, and if you are going to see this and you're enjoying it, it's because you like Westerns and they do all the Western stuff. And he is... He does the Western stuff that you need. He is the he is the charismatic rogue, and he's he's mentioning about like, well, uh, too bad I'm not gonna get to drink, and and then you know stuff goes down at the bar, and he's cheating people out of money, and it's like it's fun, right? Yeah, it's, it is it's fun. All that yeah. Western, and he's a hell of a shot, and he gets real serious when he needs to, and yeah, all that stuff's there. That guy is a walking trope, and it's great. Uh, and and all the characters. I mean, the one thing that was <laughs> just a little weird. All right is that part of the Western thing, mm. and especially in the modern era, yeah. is that it was not a PC culture. <laughs> right. And we live in a very PC culture. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. And was- we get this very PG-13 version <laughs> of... Uh, of of a non PC culture. Well, so- they were a non PC culture, but let's let's remember this. Uh, I would argue that um, dirt. What's it called? Uh, uh, Deadwood. I <laughs> said dirt water. It's kind of close. Anyway, Deadwood and um, stuff Tarantino's been doing. They really like to accentuate that it was just a savage bunch of crazy people, right? They like that, and it's okay. I like it too. I kind of dig it. I like that take. However, what we forget is a lot of the movement West, the majority of the movement West, were like the people in this town in this new one. They're very parochial. They're very like, well, we're just trying to make our way. We're hardworking folk. We're going to church every Sunday. Like it's a very, it was a very Christian movement. It was a lot of that kind of stuff. All right. I understood. But there is a scene at the beginning of the movie where Denzel Washington, who is our protagonist, who rallies everybody together, is riding through a town, right? Yeah. And everybody is clutching and 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 walking inside to the point where I leaned over to Brett the Amtrak around Seville and I whispered in his ear, the sheriff is near. Because <laughs> it has that feeling to it. No, right? I, I know. It, it it's you know what it felt more like well, I mean, it felt more like blazing saddles for, for a half a minute in I, that scene. But because they're trying to illustrate it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Without having anybody drop the n bomb on on Denzel Washington, yeah, without not actually saying it, you're right. To. You're right. I say that they have to, right, right. But because if the movie is totally absent, it then it doesn't feel weird. Right. But you do have these moments where everybody's clutching their kids because a black guy's riding into town. Right. You have Chris Pratt, who's like gonna be likable, uh-huh. but still is gonna mention, uh, you know, a uh, uh, mention that the one guy's Mexican. Right. And, and and have these kind of back and forths where they're ribbing each other. Yeah. Feels it felt you know what it felt like to me is a little kind of expendably. And like the movie, the expendables. Oh, yeah. You have all these guys thrown together and they're all gonna break each other's balls like they would kind of in the gym. Yeah. But at the end of it, no one's really gonna be pissed off because like 
we're, we're just kind of killing time until we get to the next fist pump <laughs> moment because they did something cool. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I don't I don't think that's an unfair thing. And I and again, I think it's there to preserve pre- preserve the rating. But it is a little unfortunate that more couldn't be said, given the fact that you have Denzel Washington playing what is uh, traditionally been played by a very white character like Yul yes. Brenner. Um, and, you know, the lig- ligature thing and all that. I don't want to spoil anything. But, you know, there's there's stuff there you could have played with. Um, but then also the director is Antoine Fuqua, a guy who grew up in Illinois, I believe it was. Um, he's a, an African-American director. He has done lots of things with racial yeah. overtones. And it seemed like an opportunity just given their backgrounds. Well, I mean, like, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if it is like incumbent them on the movie to make a statement about race, mm-hmm. right? It obviously inherently kind of is because they have a so they have assembled this kind of united colors of Benetton <laughs> seven, right? <laughs> to the point where literally an Indian walks up to their camp and is like, anyway, I'm part of your crew now. Yeah. I like for that. Almost though. no reason. I love that though. It's I, fine. And it, it's cool, right? Yeah. It's a there's way simplified. You're not wrong about any of that, but it's Star Wars for me. It's like there's, simple, uh, clean, uh, easy. No, but it's not. Star, I mean, like again, like I, I don't, I don't want to take anything from it. I enjoyed it. I walked out of the theater very much enjoying it. But let's be careful about putting it where where it is, and that's why I kind of bristled at the Tombstone thing, uh, because I don't think it's Tombstone. I think it's it, it is a fun, enjoyable day in the theater, if. You like westerns. If right. you don't like westerns, I don't know how much there is for you. If you're just there for Chris Pratt, I think it's an enjoyable Chris Pratt performance. But you could probably get more out of. You certainly got more out of like Jurassic World or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, it, I'm actually glad I didn't get just wall to wall Pratt though. I liked. I like that it was. Here's my one thing, and yeah. I think that you can't do it for a million different reasons on why they cast Denzel Washington. Okay, but I would have been very interested to see that movie where Chris. Pratt plays Denzel Washington's role and Denzel plays Chris Pratt's role. Oh, interesting. That's not a bad idea. I mean, that would, that could have been interesting for sure. Cause yeah. I think they're, they would be going just enough against type to make it kind of interesting. Yeah. And they both would have, I think killed it. Yeah. They would have, they would have been great. Denzel can play the scoundrel. Mm-hmm. We just don't see it a lot. And Chris Pratt is kind of like, he should be the, the the lead right like the big mm-hmm. white meat lead mm-hmm. like that's kind of who he is right now in hollywood yeah no, so i think I he agree. would have crushed it uh he would have had that light like light humor that denzel showed and then also he can get a little dark like all all chris pratt has to do is stop smiling and you suddenly go Ugh, what the hell's that about like what's this i'm seeing in his face like anytime he does that in a movie where he has to be serious for a minute throws me up for a big loop yeah, but and I guess he could do that. He could do that. Is all I'm saying. Money did not see him crack wise and drink liquor and exactly be a be a be a sassy man. So I thought he was great. I thought all the supporting characters were great. I thought it was super. Like you said, this is formula, paint by the numbers, but it's really fun and looks looks great too. By the way, it looks movie, it yeah. looks amazing. Anton, uh, you know, Fuqua is is an amazing visual director. You get a lot of really cool uh, shots there. Um, here's my one. My one criticism, because it's a movie, and I will only criticize it because, again, it is a movie that takes certain racial commentary on mm-hmm. itself yeah. by the casting and, and how they have everybody act. Sure. And I'll, I'll code it. <laughs> it's really annoying when 
the good guys have a ninja and the bad guys have a ninja and it has to end with the ninjas fight. <laughs> All right, I thought the same thing. It, it was that I mean Come on, I know somebody it, else can kill each ninja, right? Sure. No, that's a fair point. And for those just not to confuse anyone, we're not talking about the Asian guy ninja. We're talking no, about the Native American ninja. Bad guys didn't have an Asian guy. Yeah, they didn't have an Asian guy. They just had they had two uh, American Indian ninjas. Yeah. Which is a sequel to American Ninja. Yeah, I mean, I mean that metaphorically because it's always very frustrating whenever, <laughs> and it, it can be in romantic comedies where it's like, of course, there's two, you know, uh, one side, the, the 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 guy, the group of guys has a black guy and, and the group of girls has a black girl. And of course, they're going to end up at the end because nobody wants to make it weird, you know, for your grandpa who doesn't want to see interracial kissing. Right? I, I think what it came down to is they were they were trying to they did this thing, which is, again, an old thing and it's nothing new and it's kind of trite, but they everyone's got a matchup. Right. So Denzel's got. Uh, Skarsgård is as the big baddie, right? So they're going to be the two that have the final confrontation. Uh, Chris Pratt does his thing out near the Gatling gun with the guy who's been kind of his nemesis the entire time. Kind of the second in command guy is also the but second. He's barely in command guy. established, you know. It's true, but you know what I mean. Like, one ninja, the bad ninja. <laughs> his matchup was with Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> Sounds like Paul Bearer. Oh, I freaking love yeah. him. I freaking loved him in this. I thought he was the most surprising thing. If you want to make direct comparisons to to uh, to Tombstone, I would say this is your Val Kilmer guy in this. And and I don't mean an affectation. I mean the surprising thing of like, oh, whoa, wait, hold on. This is different and new. This could have been really dumb and lame and just a normal trapper dude spitting tobacco and killing bears. And it's different than that. And I liked it a lot. In fact, that broke that broke type, I thought. There we go. Magnificent Seven Seed. If you like Westerns, if you don't like Westerns, there's plenty of else to go see, including yeah, totally agree. Mr. Robot. So this is going to be spoiler territory. Is there anything that you want to get out for everybody before we get into spoiler territory? No, there's a million things happening, but uh, I really like the re uh, the reimagining that I've done with the Boop Show. If you are interested in video games in a more of an essay sort of, uh, I don't know, esoteric style, something that looks at things um, in a way that's not just, hey, here's the news about video games. I suggest people might check it out. I got a new episode coming. We just did a bunch of really good ones. Uh, find it at frogpants.com slash B-O-O-P. That's it. Um, uh, I, we're, so the debate is tonight, uh, we announced today uh, that the contender is going to do a 12-card mini expansion that we are going to write tonight based on this debate. Uh, so if you would like it in your deck, then uh, you can head on over to our, probably our social media is the easiest way to get it, which you're going to want anyway. Just head on over to um, Contender Game on Twitter and uh, you can make sure that you get our uh, our 10-card our, our expansion. Uh, again, we're going to write it tonight. We're going to design it tonight. We're going to proof it tonight. We're going to send it off to uh, the printers, probably either tonight or tomorrow. They're going to take time to print it. They're going to send it back. We're going to hopefully get it to you before the next debate. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're at the mercy of the printer, but uh, as fast as we possibly can is when you get it. You can get it right now, 10 bucks, and uh, we're doing, I think, uh, $1 for uh, domestic shipping and $4 for international shipping. So That's cheap. Cheaper. Cheap, cheaper to do. Cheap yeah. and easy. That's amazing. That's also pretty real time. I'm impressed. Man, we're gonna we're gonna do our best. Who knows if this is gonna be a good idea? But you can get it now. We're gonna. It, this could blow up in our face. Yeah. Well, you gotta try stuff, man. I like it. 
How are you ever going to know if cat poo tastes bad unless you try it once, right? That's what I'm saying. Exactly. All, All right, right. So All here right. we go. Let's get into uh, Mr. Robot. Yep. Uh, we, we finally watched the second half of uh, the finale. Python part two or whatever the hell it was called. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I should look that up. What is the actual name? So the, all the names of these episodes are like super hackery, right? They're on purpose. Like Python being a language and uh, programming language that is. And like all these weird little uh, code things at the end of them. When you look at the entries in iTunes or Amazon, when you download episodes, the descriptions are super hacksaw kind of language. And it's not um, poorly done or faked. It sounds like real shit people say on forums and things. Uh, it's really pretty creative. Anyway, two two seasons. Consume them rather quickly. I watched the first season when it hit Amazon Prime. Uh, devoured it. Loved every second of it. Couldn't wait for more. Uh, two happened. I let that gestate a bit and ended up consuming, I think, five in a row because we'd gotten that far into it. And then I just kept going episode by episode until it was done. Um, it is one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. It's on my top ten list all-time TV. I think it's really, really great and amazing. The funny thing is, and we'll get to finale at some point in this conversation, but I don't know what the hell happened at the end. And it doesn't mean I didn't like it. I actually really liked the last two episodes as two-parters, uh, but I'm really still not entirely sure what the hell happened to anybody involved. So... I think I kind of know. I don't know. I don't know. Here's what my worry was after the first season. Okay was that as soon as I found out that Sam Esmail was going to write and direct all of the episodes, yeah. knowing how heady the show is and how cerebral the show is, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was like, you know, there's going to be a chance, a high likelihood, that this show could disappear up its own butthole. <laughs> right. That at some point, it'll be metaphor on metaphor on metaphor on illusion on illusion on illusion and we will get lost in the woods and it will affect our dramatic tension okay right yeah i think and it all depends on what happens in season three but i think that second half kind of was it disappearing in its own butt all right now if it went up its own okay i knew you're gonna possibly suggest this um mm -hmm. It's well, all this. about it's all about them paying their way out of it. In other words, yes. If all we get next year is, hi, are you listening? Are you watching? Are you still there? Like he's talking to us, and he starts saying, you know, you thought I was dead, but no, it's a freaking whatever. And if they just start mind shifting well, us not, again, he's dead because we we find out we find out in in the final moments that that uh, Titus Welliver. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and uh what's her butt uh Angel is it Angela? Uh Joanna. Oh Angela the blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh. That yeah, yeah. they are in contact with each other. Sure. And this is where things I think gets into some of the theories. In, in into this, like us getting lost in the woods is affecting how much we care about these revelations, yeah, right? Yeah. Because we find out two gigantic things. Number one. Angela is now totally in the hands of the Dark Army. Right. Right? Right. Number two. I guess. Is she? Yes, because she went to the Dark Army, and then she is taking the directions of the Dark Army to cut off her 
chasing around the the lawsuit with E Corp, right? Because okay. she goes to the she goes to the lawyer and says that that's not going to happen anymore. But, so seemingly, but she was but she was all she was also sort of all in on the E Corp pursuance, and then suddenly she's all in on the found out as as things went on that literally this was all playing possum to get damning evidence from E Corp, yeah. and then try to bring E Corp down about this Trenton thing, right? Right, right, right. right. About her childhood. Yeah, yeah. And then she winds up getting brought in by the Dark Army, who basically tells her to stand down, that there are bigger things at play. Right. Right. And so she just buys that because because what's his name killed a fish and came in there in drag again and talked to her. Like, again, here's my here's my issue is that we start to get into there's only so much capacity that we have in our brains for like, yeah. And then this other thing happens. Misdirect, misdirect, misdirect. Yeah. Misdirect, misdirect, misdirect. So, all right. Now we assume that she is in the hands of the Dark Army. Yeah. So we can best assume at the end of this completed work of art, right? Yeah. Of season two. Yeah. This story. Right. We can also assume that the FBI is far closer to understanding literally everything that is happening than we were led to believe initially. Okay. Right? So- because that, that final moment mm-hmm. with Sister and uh, the FBI agent is the full and and as we know because we are omniscient in this story complete web of exactly everybody that's doing everything right right yeah and, and we find out and boyfriend's dead we find that out well boyfriend's dead and we find out that the dark bush. army wasn't the one that killed uh the the hacker at the beginning of the season that it was literally a stray bullet yeah it was just the dumb luck dumb luck yeah, right yeah Got uh, what's his name? Forgot his name, Luther. Oh, the FBI might know more than Elliot, as Knotts points out in the chat room. Yeah. So now, okay, so why were they behaving in ways that we didn't know that 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 would be inconsistent with that? Also, did they know that Elliot was in jail? Are they trailing Elliot? (laughs) Like, are they just looking for more and more and more stuff? Yeah. Uh. We don't know. That's a total mind act. Well, that, not only that, but the but but okay. So she's supposed to be this FBI agent with all the goods. But then when she we, when we get with her in her personal time, she's talking to her. She's she's crying and talking to uh, Alexa about shit. Sorry, people at home that may have set off your Alexa just now. Um, and or she's you know whatever. She's like kind of miserable. So I feel like that's supposed to be them saying she doesn't really know what's going on either. But she's just got this nose for it. So she's going to keep pursuing it. But I, I never get the feeling that the FBI's got it all together. In fact, no, no, but that's that's the revelation. The end of this episode. And here's where I mean disappearing up its own butt is that that was supposed to be a big dot dot da kind of moment. Yeah. It was played as that at the very least. Yeah. That we're looking at this and now all of a sudden we're supposed to be as viewers. Oh, my God. They are so close to everything. What, like, do they know? What do they know? What don't they know? Like, what pieces are they missing? Because it seems like they've got the whole thing laid out. Yeah. Why don't they just scoop up Elliot and, and call it a day? Yeah. Unless they need somebody else to, to corroborate it, maybe, right? Or they're going to reveal that there's another front to this war that we do not totally know. Right. So those are two revelations that we get at the end. And then the other is the question of whether or not, you know, uh, uh, creepy Swedish um, <laughs> he is so creepy. Whether or not he is alive at all. Yeah, but he's alive because he shot 
Because he shoots Elliot at the end of this thing. So the big conceit at the end is like Elliot starts to think, well, no, now you're like two parts of another of my brain that aren't me. Yes. So I'm going to take dad uh, ghost over here and you, who is clearly crazy uh, Swedish ghost, and I'm going to challenge you and you're not going to shoot me because you're not there. Just like when dad used to shoot him, he wasn't really shooting him. Yeah. And but he shot him and it didn't kill him because the only reason we think we know it didn't kill him because Angela at the end's doing her zombie talk on the phone about I'll be over there soon when he, I want to be the first person he sees when he wakes up or whatever. Yeah. Um, like it was all part of the plan. And creepy, what's his name, says he loves him. Like, they just introduced a bunch of stuff that we've not seen these people do, either independently in the omniscient mode or through the eyes of Elliot. So I'm I'm coming around to your idea that the butthole is open and we are either in it or entering it. Well, because here's the, again, you can be <laughs> cerebral as you want. You can be as metaphorical as you want. You can give us as many dream sequences, many drug sequences as you want, as long as the narrative tension remains. Yeah. And the problem I had with this finale is that it tried to pop us with these narrative moments, but because we don't even have str a strong enough footing to realize what, uh, uh, you know, what was what, we don't know enough yeah. to say, oh, Christ, that changes everything. Yeah. But I think he was, I think they were trying to give us that. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. So, so, all right. Everybody told me, oh, you're going to love the finale. You're just going to love where it goes. And I said, I say, is there some, do I get some, uh, you know, satisfaction or do I get a, you know, I don't know, something to hold me over till next year? And they would all say, oh, yeah, yeah, you totally do. And then I watched it like a day or two later. And it didn't do that for me. Like, I loved it, and I really enjoyed it, and I'm pining for whatever the hell's next. But it didn't, like, have any resolution of anything. It just answered It answered kind of no questions and, and, then, and then asked, like, 15 others I didn't know I had yet. And I also went from that first half. Maybe this would have been something I should have watched back-to-back. -back, yeah. Where my brain could just go straight from weird fish tank hanging around with a dude from Law & Order in a dress straight to everything else that happened because if you break them in two pieces you had Angela episode and you had not Angela episode yeah and and it was a little disconcerting and especially when I see her at the end post credits mind you right no no, no she wait was, she was the last thing before the credits and then we got a post credit scene with uh Trenton and and what's her butt that's right I forgot about that okay hanging out at the fries Trenton and Mobley. And Mobley. Trenton and Mobley is my favorite new spinoff series I hope they make. But anyway, the point is, they left me with no, I got no answers and nothing. And if it if I watched them back to back, maybe that would have felt different, but I didn't feel like I got any answers and, and there's all these new ones. And I just, I'm mad at them for making me wait to, to get some resolution here. Because there's none for the season. Well, because then, because we get another question. And this is the problem. Is that when the questions build up so much that the resolutions don't, we don't trust the resolutions. Yeah. We've got too many questions. That's a good point. That's a big book of questions and zero answers in the back of the book. Caller, Mr. Robot, what are your, what, what, what's your take? Hey guys, it's Gabe. Hey Gabe. Uh, so uh, I've been talking to Justin before about this kind of Mr. Robot stuff, but uh, I have two things to point. Did you guys get the thing at the end of the finale when uh, Tyrell told Angela that he loves 
Elliot. Yeah, get Santa, but I love him. And she says, I love him too. And then, yeah. So I had this theory, like, maybe they're possibly gay lovers. And then that just, like, kind of, like, pushed (laughs) it to the forefront. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if they're going to make that a thing, like, make it a. I don't know. It doesn't feel. It feels like a lazy point of plot to me. If that's what they did, well, I think. I think they, what's going. They have, they have certainly played with sexuality, and and they have they have specifically played with sexuality when it comes to Tyrell. Yeah. In season one, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had also that moment of uh, Angela and uh, Elliot's old drug dealer ex girlfriend uh, with the the girl on girl makeout in the bathroom. So it's like. They have been very, uh, uh, you know, I think that they've already established that characters can be bisexual. Sure. Um, and it's not a big character defining thing. And that's why I don't think that this is a major plot point. Because if because they have shown that they don't make it a huge character thing, I don't know why it would suddenly become one. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, it feels cheap. It feels I like also a, have uh, yeah, go ahead. one more point to make. Um, how do you guys feel about the... Like him being crazy, being overused as a trope. Like at one point, it's gonna get stale. I feel like it was stale for me at the finale. Like that was one of my issues, I guess, when like Tyrell actually shot him. So, what do you feel about that? And, but crazy is in Elliot being crazy. Yes. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Justin? Do you think he's? Do you think they're they're playing with that too much? Like he's just always saying, "Well, maybe I do see two people. Maybe I don't see two people. Are you real or aren't you?" But I do think. This is part of I, I think what took out, um, what took me out narrative, uh, you know, tension wise, mm-hmm. was the fact that that whole first half of the finale starts out with him saying, "Hey, I can make a waking dream. <laughs> I can make a dream where I control what happens. This is a fantasy. This is a fantasy. This is a fantasy. Fade out. Fade up." the rest of the episode. Yeah. So for a show that can often with far less warning devolve into a fantasy, right? Yeah. They don't warn you. The fact that that was like, no, this is a fantasy. Don't trust what you're seeing. And then we go through everything and there's no revelation at the end where it's like, no, this wasn't kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, but also, yeah. Yeah. If so, Here's you know, there's a, 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 this is one of Andrew Maine's storytelling things. Mm. I think he's written about this. That, like, you should always be worried when a movie or a TV show starts with a dream sequence. Mm. But the first, your first introduction to the story is your most potent. Yeah. And if, if the story can't think of a better thing to do in terms of setting up the consequences of your story then a consequence free skip through all this yeah then you're in you're in trouble yeah unless your movie's called like dreamweaver or uh you know dreamcatcher or some kind of dream movie where he, i can control my dreams and go into yours or something unless that but is your that, entire did, plot did, did did inception start inside of a dream uh hold on let's think about that it did right cuz mm-hmm. he was where was he Oh yeah, it was like the initial thing where he was just like stealing some information or something, right? Right, but that, but see, that works there. I, that's one you shouldn't. Well, yeah, well, because th- he's a dream thief, right? 
That's so exactly I, my if, point. If it was if it was a story about jewel thieves, he would have been on a jewel heist initially. Yeah, they made all that physical and tangible, and 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 so they could travel between it, and they and they weren't trying to fool you. The only thing at the end was like, well, is he still there or not? We don't know because the top spins or it doesn't. So yeah. so they play with that toward the end. But but this is a movie or this is a show where I just I guess once bitten twice shy, right? I don't want this to go where Lost went. Because at the height of where I was with Lost, I was like, man, has there been a cooler thing for me to do on a Wednesday night? I don't think so. Yeah. I freaking love it. I, can't, I love speculating and wondering and all this. And at the end, they painted themselves in this corner where they really didn't have an answer. So they're like, man, they're all dead and they're in purgatory. So what are you going to do? And and some people like that. Tom Merritt likes it. I, I was driven crazy by it. Well, and I think that's ultimately what brings me the greatest possible joy with Mr. Robot mm. is are these larger questions of if E Corp has their own currency and really what the larger story of this universe is all that uh, uh, the F Society did is trigger a new world mm -hmm. where the Chinese control one currency and the largest corporation on the planet controls the other. Right. Right? Yep. And so now that's our larger world and we find out where our characters live it cuz we have now just entered kind of feudal Japan, right? Yeah. We are now dealing with warlords and our government is powerless to stop it. I mean, I guess we are, but my I guess back to my original point because things are not clear as to where the dreams start and end or where the crazy starts and end ends we don't know if the civil run rest is real. I don't know if it is or not. Like, this is the part, I, I, if I have a complaint, it's this. I see him walking around outside. People are burning their trash for money. Uh, some people are wearing masks and acting like anarchy is great. Other people are worried about their futures. Like, is that all happening? I don't know. Maybe. They don't spend a lot of time there. Well, and that's the problem, is that I think in the past, you had to be really... Season one was fairly conservative and and had pretty large roadblocks yeah. on when a out and out fantasy began and ended. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's going through withdrawals. Yeah. So you should not, you know, you should not know whether or not how much of this is real and how much is it. Right. You know, right. and then at the point that it spirals into total absurdity, you're like, oh, OK, this is a fantasy. Yeah. Uh. But there's there was just a lot in this season. And listen, I love the reveal that he was in prison. I did, too. I thought that was great. Mm -hmm. um, Throw back to the first season, the guy who basically threw him under the bus to get him arrested. Like, all of that I thought was pretty great. So I guess the other big reveal is that stage two is, is going to just be the, the literal last, like, the, the literal, like, fight club plan, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's to blow up. Okay, so for those, well, I guess if you're listening still, you're... you're no, this is spoiler time. This is spoiler time. So so they, they've done all they can digitally. Now it's time to physically destroy everything, right? Is that the, the thing? The building full of paper. Like, that's yeah. the plan. That's stage two, right? Or is there more to that stage <laughs> than know, I... No, which is odd because initially... Well, I guess, well, here, let, let, me, let, me, let me finish my point about the larger universe. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if that, and this is what frustrated people about Lost, mm. 
is that ultimately there was a huge element of lost fandom that really wanted to know what was the Dharma initiative? How did they work into human history? Yeah. What were they doing now? Right? Sci-fi premises. Yeah. Like they wanted to know this, but ultimately what we found out and, and this was something that frustrated a lot of people is that the creators of lost didn't really want to tell that story. Yeah. They wanted to have those elements, but the story was about these characters, mm -hmm. which is why, you know, all the sci-fi stuff fell to the wayside. And ultimately we got this, this other crazy, you know, uh, purgatory story. But it's so much easier to take like a product, a, a property, like let's say Mad Max. And you can say, all right, well, what matters is the here and now and them fighting and getting out of here and getting on the tanker and getting out of the thing and doing the stuff and fighting on the road and all that. That's the immediate needs and everyone's doing their immediate needs. But it's in our heads to go, yeah, but tell me more about the bullet farm. How did that get established? And also, give me a through line from when markets started to crash, nukes started going off, and we started heading down this path. What's the timeline? You could argue the same thing uh, happens with The Walking Dead. They just wake up and the world's gone to shit. What happened before that? Well, Fear the Walking Dead's answering some of that, but not all of that. People want to know those things, and so... You know, it's well, even but, Star but Trek. Either, like Star either of those examples right. come close to, like, Walking Dead never pretends. In fact, it, it is kind of steadfast in its refusal to give you answers on that. Yeah, they're not going to, yeah. Like, you find the, the, the CDC, and then the CDC explodes. Yeah. Like, as if to say to the audience... You're never getting any answers that are satisfying, <laughs> yeah. ever. Here we are, episode six but, of the first season. You're never getting but, anything after this. But the point is, yeah. you shouldn't care. Right. Because this is a story about survival. It's not a story about answers. And I, I agree, I, but but you can at well, least... Boss teased you along. Yeah. You were finding hatches, and you were finding people that had half stories, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So you were uh, edging people toward, no, 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 we will give you these answers the further we get into the story. Same thing with Mr. Robot is this is all about, uh, you know, you're having these whole scenes that are about, oh, okay, well, we can't trust Bitcoin because Bitcoin is controlled by the Chinese, so we have to establish our own virtual currency. They are telling us, no, 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 the further we get into this story, the more answers you are going to get. And what I'm afraid of, post this, is that Sam Esmail doesn't really care about that, and he's not going to give us answers about that. Mm. We're always just going to be about whether or not Angela and Elliot care about each other. And we're going to be about the sister's inferiority complex to the brother. Mm. And we're going to be about whether or not the fractured world of Elliot can ever come together. Yeah. That's where we're always going to keep the story and everything else is going to be window dressing. And that's what really frustrated people about Lost. And I, I don't know, but... If they go in that direction, it's going to really frustrate people about Mr. Rowe. Yeah, I, I, no, I can smell that too. It's not that it's not a possibility, and I don't want them to do that. But then again, I think, you know, what I wanted out of, let's say, Star Trek was I wanted good stories about Captain Picard and his crew and his ship. And, and they would occasionally say, well, guess what? There's this whole other part of Starfleet you didn't know about. Here's this uh, the star base somewhere that you didn't know about, or here's all this stuff, or hey, DS9 is about a space station that doesn't even fly anywhere. We're not even exploring anymore. It's just sort of sitting here. They are filling out that universe, but still keeping it about core characters and stories. The question is, have they? is there a ledge or a line, the one that, that Lost crossed, are they crossing it now? And it's impossible for me to tell because 
I don't know what really happened at the end of this. So I, I can't even predict that. Will three just lead us along? I don't know. This, the style of the show, he came out recently and said uh, that he's not going to go. He can't see this show going past five seasons. Well, if that's the case, he's got an idea maybe of how, where all this ends up, but it's starting to feel like that whole thing of like, well, how are you going to end it? Let's say this was you guys taking down all manner of authority and giving the power back to the people. But it turns out that's bad because people need leadership and they all just fall apart. And the big lesson is, well, it turns out we kind of need a mix of independence and, and dependence and, or whatever, but what else? Is that it? Cause if you're just going to hash that for four more seasons, three more seasons, that same theme the entire time. I don't know, man. Here, I, I just need some more touchstones. Yeah. I just need some more things that I can count on being true, mm. even just so I can indulge the fantasy. Yeah. Like, and, and I think that's, again, this is where, as soon as I saw that it was, it was all the same person. And I don't think it's a problem with his writing, because I think his writing is fantastic. The problem is that this makes sense in his head. Yeah. And whenever you are dealing with something that is as tightly controlled by one person as this is, you will forever be in a situation where you will be at risk that it is getting more confusing to people that are not Sam Esmail. Okay. You know? And it really is he one guy. knows inherently that maybe it means a lot that Tyrus is saying... Uh, is saying I love you or I love him about Elliot. I love that his name changes every time you say it. It's my favorite part you're of this wrong. conversation. What, <laughs> what do you think? Hi, you're on the show. Who's this? Uh, hey, this is Jonathan in a uh, lovely Brooklyn. Hey, man, it's always good to hear from you. What's what? up? What's your take on all this? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Have real? you ever seen Mr. Robot? Yeah, dude, it's awesome. All right. Did you, watch, did you watch the second season? Uh, I'm I'm just finished uh, uh, Mr. Puke Pill episode. Oh, yeah, that was a rough one. Puke Pill episode was a rough uh, one, man. Well, we're talking about the finale. Um, uh, uh, do you have any uh, commentary on the season so far? Um, it's really good, and I was sort of spoiled uh, a little bit. Um, fun fact, personal connection: my boss's house was actually used for the filming for Angela's apartment. Oh, that's a nice. That's a, awesome. that's a really nice apartment. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's the last shot before the credits. Yeah, the final scene. Yeah, final scene is that apartment. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, he made a lot of money on that deal. Is he right there? Well, no wonder he has the apartment. Is it right there on in like near Times Square? Because that's what it looks like. I can't quite tell, but I think she's right there. Actually, no. It's in it's in Ditmas Park. Oh, interesting. Maybe they're green screening the window uh, stuff because I'm pretty sure I saw Times Square out there. But anyway. Who knows? It, it, but that would be weird. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's kind of amazing. And I kind of, this is kind of weird because I actually got spoiled a little bit about when I listened to you guys. I don't know if it was this show or another show, but I was, so I kind of knew what was going on. Yeah. And I kind of enjoy it more now that I like had some spoilers. Tell me what was spoiled for you. Yeah, because, what, well, give us an example. Yeah, what, what, what'd you feel was spoiled? Um, the, the prison thing. Like, I, I never would have figured out the whole prison thing. Um, kind oh. of on my own and that didn't bother really you that was well i mean you would have figured it out when you got to the episode where everything changed from being real to a prison though right exactly but oh. i think knowing that going having gotten spoiled before i watched season two yeah 
um, I, I got, I think I got more out of it that way. Oh, that's interesting. Actually, um, what you're saying jives with a recent study. I can't remember the university, Cambridge something, I don't remember. But they basically said uh, the bottom line was the, of the study was spoilers actually improve people's experience. They just don't want to admit it or don't consciously know it, but it actually helps them enjoy things more. So you're probably experiencing something to that regard. Uh, I, whether or not people agree with that study, I don't know. But that's what this reminds me of when you say it. So when you when you get yeah. to that point, if you if you just got done with him picking Adderall out of his barf, uh, you've got what a couple more episodes before the prison reveal i think i think that was four i think that was four so yeah i've got a few more to go okay um i'd be really um, we'd be curious uh to hear on the other end of it what you think because it's in a place right now where i just i mean i just was i was just doing some googling and like venture magazine just said the same thing i did justin it says we don't know what happened i don't know what happened like i'm not the only one saying this however business insider says they know would you like to hear the things they know a sure. short list. All right, here it is. Business Insider. You know your go-to for Mr. Robot spoilers. I have uh, well, one, one of my very uh, my my one of my oldest uh, journalism friends who actually works there. He's like their lead tech guy. Is his name Tony Mansfred? No. Okay, good. This isn't him then. Right. Uh, it says here: warning, following will be spoilers. Blah blah blah. All right. The things we know. Number one: the hack worked. Okay. So that's something we know, he says, and then this yeah. this thing details how that's True. fact. Yeah. So because you're looking for touchstones here. Two, yeah. White Rose is cozy with E Corp. Uh, that's what this says. White Rose, the leader of the Dark Army, Chinese hacking collective, uh, F Society carried out. Bap, 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 bap. I first saw White Rose in episode eight. It's up, it's up, it's up. Uh, it was one of the most memorable and strange scenes so far. Okay, but why would she pee? I I don't know if this is someone who is transitioning. No, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that either. That seems weird. Why, wait, why Why do they speculate that, that White Rose is cozy with E-Corp? I don't know. It's, it goes on to say, the next time we see her in the post credit scene at the end of season finale, this time she's dressed as a man. The actor B.D. Wong did an interview with Vulture where he confirmed that White Rose, a transgender person, is the one who has the ending or episode ending conversation with E-Corp Philip uh, Price. So, so when Philip Price is on the phone, that's White Rose. It's also clear that it is White Rose uh, when her watch beeps right before the episode ends. It also beeped in the scene in episode eight. Uh, says you've connected. What conversation was that? It was the one where a couple episodes back where uh, Darth Vader uh, is on the phone with somebody and he's saying, you have to get me. I don't remember what he was saying. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, they, they made the deal for money, mm. but that was almost like that was desperate. That was like half extortion. Yeah, I don't know how that ties them together as support. All right, each other. Uh, this is a poorly written article. All right, here's another one. Here it is. Check it out. We're not blaming your friend either. Elliot can embody his halluc hallucinations. We know that. I think that's an easy pick. Yeah. Uh, Elliot is probably one of uh, the one in the mask in the F Society message, not Tyrell. Okay. I probably actually. I think I already already thought I think that it's Tyrell. I thought it was they show Tyrell taking the mask off, right? Did they? I think so. I thought it was. I, I don't know. We know it's been the girl before, the sister. Uh, the popcorn gun is still at large. <laughs> a popcorn gun. This is a shitty article. I'm going to now close it because it's no yeah. good. It's not good. Business Insider, you blew your one chance to impress me as Mr. Robot information. You blew it. Um, anyway, so let's just say, Justin, season three starts and they immediately jump straight into being weird. Not weird, but being like obtuse about everything again for a whole nother season. Which I think, I mean, that's their nature. Like, yeah. like, the robot would be weird if it just became suits, right? Right. 
But don't you think it this this well, is the crucial way, I moment? Did, I did love I did love the the interrogation scene where they just ran through <laughs> every USA trope there was. Yeah, That's like this isn't suits. Your character's not welcome because their old slogan used to be characters yeah, welcome. Yeah. Like this isn't this isn't burn notice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this isn't burn notice. We're not going to be up all night here. Yeah, that was great with Gilbert Gottfried. Well, they yeah. didn't go that far, but the point is that like if they this is this, this is that turning point, and we have to learn from recent history. Isn't it possible that Sam Showrunner didn't look back at the what lessons were learned with Lost and said to himself, "Man, at the end of season two, you better have your shit together. Like you better have your plan ready." And so I'm even willing to trust it all the way through. Obviously, I'm going to watch it, but. But even if we get to like a season four and it's still just obtuse as hell and I don't know what's really happening or what's real anymore, you got to think we've learned from that and you can't just peter out at the end. You can't just poop a, a, a big log at the end, right? Well. Or can you? Can you get away with that now? Can you do that? And then and then will anyone watch TV? As long as the show's well acted and well shot, people will watch it and people will want to figure out, you know, like how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. And, and we will... Uh, Debate it endlessly, and it'll be a Rorschach for everybody to yell and scream about. Okay, there's a moment in the, this finale you just reminded me of it. Uh, it's when is it in her apartment? Anyway, the TV. Oh, it's after. Okay, so Elliot's on the floor, presumably shot to death. The dad's flickering out. All that. Yeah. They shift to this t that TV guy who's like your Bill O'Reilly type, uh, Mister Truther man, who's like, so what's really happening? And he's like, he's not asking about what's happening in the world. Where'd the hat come from? Even though that's the context. He's asking us. He's, he is the Greek chorus. Yes. And because he's doing that, oh, I'm frustrated with those people. I just need him to give me something. I need something now. And well, all I have right. is internet. All I have is internet, like people with ideas and that's it. So what, I mean, like here's, here's, I think generally where some of the frustration comes from storytelling is based on tension. Yeah. I don't have enough money to make rent. If I don't have enough money to make rent, then my landlord's going to kick me out and me and my kids out of our apartment and now we'll be homeless. Mm -hmm. Tension. Got to get money before X amount of time. That's got to happen. It's less important if all of a sudden, halfway through, we find out that the landlord's not real and money is not an issue because they live on a commune, mm -hmm. right? Halfway through. Right. And that also the kids are really plants and our main character is really a bug. Like now all of a sudden the tension <laughs> of where things were yeah. doesn't exist anymore mm -hmm. because we've taken it away because now we don't have these things to rely on. We don't have the concept of money, home, family, pride, all these other things that that feed us into the story, we've lost those. Okay. So now, you know, we care for Elliot. We care for Angela. We care for the sister. We believe that Ecor is genuinely evil, and we believe that White Rose is dangerous but has the capacity for good because uh, she is one of the few people that can take down Ecorp. But well, we distrust her motives. When's the last time you saw it? <sighs> Never mind. Keep going. Keep going. So I could go down a rabbit hole about Angela and I don't want to do it yet. So keep going. Well, everything else. And also we know that Angela is susceptible. Yeah. And that Angela might not be somebody that we want to root for, but we do care about her. Yeah, I like her a lot. Uh so now where do we go? 
Like, what? what is our dramatic tension? Initially, it was, can these kids pull off the hack of the century? Mm-hmm. Okay? This season was supposed to be, how do they survive now in a world gone mad where now the, bee, the bees are, are, are swarming mm-hmm. and they avoid getting stung to death? Right. Seems as if they've done it. Except for the fact that, I mean, the FBI now apparently knows more than they did. Mm-hmm. So now that dramatic tension is also kind of wrecked because we don't know, are they acting weird? Mm-hmm. Is the FBI not in on this? Is the lead investigator maybe holding back from the FBI? Yeah. But see, you're asking questions that I don't have a through line to. I don't. I just don't know where even to put them on the map. Yeah. So Knott says that the, the, the tension for season three is around the morality of phase two, Mr. Robot versus Elliot. I don't know whether or not that's a lot of tension for me because for me, no, it's not cool to blow up a building full of people. Done. Yeah. Paper and people are not the same. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Uh, hey, team. It's Paul, a skills cat in the chat. Hello, Paul. And um, I got two characters. Uh, first of all, that guy you were talking about, the TV guy, the Greek chorus guy. The character's name is Frank Cody, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and it is always frustrating because he, you know, he came on during the house invasion uh, scene first, and you almost want to follow that story, find out what's going on with that crazy wacky guy, then you almost do the main story occasionally. But anyways, I called about. There's one character in the show, Mr. Robot, that has no pretense, okay. no confusion. No issue whatsoever. You know exactly what she is doing at every time and what her intentions are. And, of course, that would be my favorite character in this robot, Hot Carla. <laughs> All right. Wait. Hot Carla? Who am I thinking hot, of? Hot Carla. Who, hot Carla. She was the one that was uh, burning everything in the prison yard. Oh, right. The one that we <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? She is... She was okay, but she was she was burning things in the prison yard, but she was also burning things in an imagination place. But she was always burning right. something. Okay, she was like the one person who was the same person in no matter what sequence she was in, whether it was a dream or not. <laughs> All right, well now you're making me wonder if she was more than just a oh yeah, I remember her from the scenes where we thought he wasn't in prison, but now here she is in prison. You say she's? Do you think she's more than that? Do you think she's going to crop up again? No, I just wanted to come on the show and say hi, Carla. <laughs> Oh my god. You're my favorite caller in months. That is the best call we maybe have ever had. That was fantastic. All right. So that actually gives me a point that I want to make. All right. What the shit was it? Hold on. Uh, Gosh dang it. This is the problem with this this show is that I have so many questions. All right. Last time Angela and Elliot spoke, when was that? The train. She told him that he that she was going to go to the FBI. And drop dime on everything that she had done, but she wouldn't tell them about him. And she was going to go flip to the FBI agent who showed up at her apartment. Okay. And as she got up to go do that, she got put in the van by the White Rose people who were playing the Back to the Future soundtrack. Okay. So, right. Then they go to the house. There's the tennis ball. (laughs) (laughs) And then you go... You go there, the house has got the, the the tennis ball. They stop so you don't hit the thing. I'm just trying to think of every detail here. They go in the house. They go in the fish room. The little girl. Oh, I got questions about her, too. I got big questions about the girl. She's been. Was she whipped? Were those fake scars on her back? Shit. 
Was there yeah. a phone in the fish? I think there was a phone in the fish. Anyway, point is, as we wrap up, <laughs> there is so much more to say about this show. I don't even know where to go, where to start, where to end. But here's where the problem is. All right. Is we have spent about 40 minutes talking about this, and we are no closer to knowing anything because we don't know what's real and what's not. Yeah. And you can just random number generate all day and come up with interesting permutations, but it's not tension. And ultimately, this is a show that is based on tension. Will Elliot be found out? Will this conspiracy be revealed? Will there be punishment for it? What? Who benefits from all of this? That's something that we also don't know. Yeah, we don't know any of that. Which seems like a more meta thing that you could wait to reveal, yeah, right? Yeah. But we know... I mean, what it seems to me is that we are moving into a semi-post-apocalyptic society where there are two dominant currencies, one run by the Chinese underground yeah. and one uh, by E-Corp. Yeah. And B that's... Bitcoin that's versus E-Dollars or whatever the hell, E-Coin, right? And that's fine. Is that like, now the Chinese government has been infected by White Rose, right? And yeah. so White Rose is running the Chinese government from within without it knowing it. Yeah. Uh, and E-Corp is now trying to survive but then why does the chinese government keep ecor alive why does you know what why do all these happen all these things happen we don't know and i don't know how we're getting there and you don't think that they're in cahoots with ecorp i mean that that article notwithstanding it, i'm trying to <clears throat> make a connection there and i can't they have a relationship yeah. right and maybe they want ecor to survive so they can sideline the government they can sideline the U.S. government that the U.S. government doesn't just nationalize Bitcoin. Hold right? on, did, did Grandpa E Corp and White Rose meet? Did I remember? Did I? Yeah. Okay. No, that... they met. They met, and 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 uh, and what's his butt was like, uh, you will give us the money, and <laughs> you will like it. It's like Jack. Uh, you can like... say anything without having my brother <laughs> in my voice. Uh, he's probably got some condition or something. I ate a baby today. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place to, to end it. It feels very unsatisfying that we don't have answers, but, you know, I don't know. I've never had a Cantonese prepared baby. It's so delicious. All right. So what? What if this whole thing... Lunchman says, was that price is planned? Take Chinese money and weaponize it. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. But just don't... Don't don't, knows. don't invest in Bitcoin, or Bitcoin. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Or invest in Bitcoin because Ecoin is worthless. Yeah, or I don't know which. I, I don't know which. And I don't know which one's worse. Nobody knows. Don't you just want to know what it's like from the perspective of some farmer in, like, Iowa? Like, I want to know what he sees. Just for, just for an episode, if you're going to put Alf in... You can do a thing where it's like this weird one-off where it's like Farmer Bill and his and his wife have this dairy farm they've had for 38 years, inherited it from his father, and things have gone bad, and the economy's weird. And let's, let's just have a moment of like, how is everyone else doing? And not just the hacker underground and the... Uh, I, I, just, I just need a character. I, I'm finding myself more and more in need of a character that I know is on the level. Yeah. No, he died. He got shot in a bar. Into a room. Yeah, like that. Okay, this is a thing, and that's how they react. And if they react now in this way, that that uh, then I know that something's crazy and hinky. And 
what frustrates me about the show is that I think we do have those characters, mm -hmm. but it is so mired in feints and left turns and fake things that I can't identify it. Well, we, as we had, who cares a lot about the show. We had one. He just got John Hinckley in a bar. That was our guy. He was our yeah. like innocent, working hard technology te technologist, nonetheless. But a guy who's just like sort of making his way and trying to keep his business afloat. And he's a nice guy with a, a sort of complicated life. But you you never once question whether he was a problem. He's always been fine. I guess the last time we saw him was the yeah, alpha. But they got they had to peel off his uh, his his salary for the FBI chick, you know, because they <laughs> they killed him and then they gave it to her and and Joey Badass, who it's like, you know, listen. I liked Joey Badass. I really liked him in the prison stuff. Uh, I liked, you know, that he is obviously more connected and everything. Oh, yeah, he shows up at the end of this. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah, but again, it's like, how? Why? Yeah, what? we don't What's have up? any. Is have... he with the Dark Army? He opened the butthole that we're going up. Because if he's with the Dark Army, then maybe he's there to kill the other two, right? Yeah. If he's, if he's with the Dark Army, but he wants to recruit them, but who's the FBI with? It's like, there's just so much there that... I find myself disconnecting because I can't connect to things. Yeah, I, I give you. I, yeah, you're right. That's why I'm struggling. It's why I'm fighting against this. I'll tell you what. I, I want to give the credit the show some big credit for something that happened in this final uh, scene of the movie of the show. Feels like a movie. There's that shot of this like derelict looking parking lot and this long drive up to a fries and yeah. them talking way over at these break tables on a wall that has got nothing on it. And there's something so bleak and ridiculously like, like hopeless about that. And the camera as they're talking slowly creeps up and then whips around them in a very slow way and comes back around the side. And it's way less awful. It's really interesting. Like it left, it gave me like 10 emotions just with a shot. It was incredible. That And this show's full of that stuff. And I know that there's, we're going to get some thing at the end of all this, like five seasons later, you're going to have, Sam showrunner go, uh, yo, do y'all wonder why I always uh, filmed shots where the person talking was only taking up a tiny quarter of the bottom of the left side of the screen? Here was the reason. Like every shot of a conversation is never framed, centered, or even composed in a way that is typical at all. It's Angela's head down here, and then he replies, and his head's way down over here. 80% of the screen is a blank wall or... Yeah. Something else. I freaking love that stuff. And I don't want this all to end like lost and, and have that stuff be minimized because of it. We'll have to see. Oh, good Lord. All right. Uh, in the meantime, guys, season one's that come out next year. Got to wait, I guess. 2017. Forever. It's going to be a long time. So quit worrying about it. Watch Westworld. That's coming soon. We're all pretty stoked about that. Uh, chances are we'll probably discuss that as it as it hits here on the show as well. Uh, we already gave you plugs. I guess that's everything. Uh, that's Justin, you got anything else to say before we sign out? Young on Twitter. See you later. Yeah, Scott, will we? Scott Johnson on Twitter. And yeah, will we? Do you even see us right now? You can see this too, right? <laughs> that's going to do it for us. See you next week. show is part of the frog pants network get more at frogpants.com time
Bourbon Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> well, I sure did.